0: Good morning again. Uh, today is the day. Today is the day. I know. Yesterday I said today is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I talked about the fact that you know today is the day of salvation for some people around the world. And uh, my friends over at Global Media Outreach reminded me to check out Witness for All, um, where you can actually like watch that in in real time ticker um, of you know people with whom the gospel is being shared around the globe and how people are responding and. That's just so cool. Um, and then Paul, faithful Paul, who sends me stuff for the show every single day, <clears throat> today adds this. Today is notably National Apple Pie Day, hmm. which, which Paul seems kind of early in the year. I feel like I don't baseball care. and apple pie. And apple ice cream, pie? Like, I know. No, I'm not, I'm not. There's nothing about that that I'm contesting. It's the next two on the list. National Fruit Cocktail Day and National Crouton Day. And this got me wondering, if you put the crouton, now not like a spicy crouton, but like a sweet crouton. I don't know. I've never had a sweet crouton. Here's what I'm going with. Is, Is a crouton maybe a pie crust and is fruit cocktail maybe apple pie and really... It's still National Apple Pie Day, even though the fruit cocktail people and the crouton people think it's their day. You see where I'm going with this? You have really thought this through. Mm -hmm. I have. And truly, you have have a dizzying intellect. I'm consumed this morning with the consideration of how croutons got a day. There's like I feel like there are lots of days that we could be focused on, you know, short of crouton day. But if you're focused on crouton day. Then here is your way to bring God back into that conversation. Jesus is the one who needs to be made known in the breaking of the bread. How do you like that, Paul? That works. I got a Jesus I have a bit of a Jesus juke today for everything. (laughs) And this is this is all in my getting ready to have Peter Kapsner on the show. I only do this on Thursdays, like gear up in this particular way because, you know, he's the one that I feel like I can have the most fun with on the show. So there you go. Today's also the end of Ramadan. It's Ascension Day. We talked about that at the opening of the first hour. It is also National Frog Jumping Day, which makes me wonder, do the frogs know that today's the day? Like today's the day for frog jumping. Not every other day if you're a frog. Today's the day for frog jumping. Do you see how silly this becomes? Mm-hmm. 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 There yeah. you go. Let it be thirsty Thursday. Let us be people who um, who who thirst after the things of the Lord. Let us uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness today. All right, Peter Kapsner is up next, and I'm going to challenge him to bring us a crouton story on National Crouton Day. That's up next here all Morning with Carmen. Dr. Peter Kapsner, distinguished for many things, brings us this morning, hopefully, a crouton story. Welcome back, sir.
1: Thanks, Carmen. Yeah, I, I have been, I could barely sleep last night. I, I've just been giddy <laughs> with the prospect of crouton day today. And, and so it's one of my favorite days of the year, right? No, so, so getting aside, it was so funny when you were telling the story because uh, my wife Hallie and I have our date night every Monday night, and we went out to dinner at a local restaurant. And Carmen, I kid you not, they have the best brie croutons. I didn't even oh, know brie crouton could be a did, thing, first did, of all. I didn't right? know that was a thing. Right. So so I ordered my house salad and I literally told the server, based on the previous experience with brie croutons, I told the server, I said, could you please put 1,000 brie croutons on my salad? <laughs> and I'll tell you, she came back. I could barely even see the lettuce leaves. It was so covered <laughs> in brie croutons. Of course, you know, then Hallie unceremoniously took about 13 of them off of my salad. But I, I, it felt like a loaves and fishes moment. They were everywhere. And it was just one of my best nights ever. So
0: (laughs) it was Jesus made known in the breaking of the bread. This is ultimately the concern.
1: Well, I wish I would have listened to your show beforehand because I I could have figured out a tie in, (laughs) I'm sure, on that evening uh, at that point. But but the shared fellowship of husband and wife over Brie Croutons, uh, clearly Jesus was present in that moment.
0: Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Right? Amen. I love that. First of all, I love that you have a date night every Monday night. How long is that, yeah. that? I mean, like, how long have you been doing that? Because that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, my, my mom many years ago, uh, when we first started having children, gave us this incredible gift called Grammy Day. And mm. she said, once a week, I will take the kids. And now she didn't know at that point she was signing up for five kids. down the road. I was going to say that take. there were
0: going to be so many and that it was going to go on so long
1: yeah yeah Like you didn't have your
0: kids in quick succession either (laughs) we didn't we started at 20
1: we might not even be done now carmen at this point even (laughs) you know if we could have a few more and there's room in the van we'd take them at this point but yeah i don't think she signed she knew she was signing up for five but it's been an incredible gift and so every monday hallie has the full day off and she sort of is able to plan and reboot and kind of experience a a mom sabbath as it were uh, because she just still loves being with the kids but she she needs some of that time and i do too and then um, on, on Monday nights, we usually go out to eat somewhere and just have time, that that time is sacred space. And I, I couldn't be more grateful because not everybody is in a location where maybe their parents are around or parents might want to do that to help out. But the gift of grandparents when they're able to do something like that was just absolutely profound. It, it has changed the trajectory of our family for sure.
0: I um, had some time yesterday with uh, Evelyn, who is seven, and my oldest grandchild. Um, and we made paper chains out of magazines <laughs> that she thought had been on my uh, uh on a table in our um, in our living room for too long, and then they needed to be repurposed. And so I, I said, what are we going to do with all these paper chains? And she said, I don't know. I'll take them to my house. And I thought, oh, praise Jesus. They're not staying at my house. So that's good. Right. It's the
1: best so, possible outcome. Yeah. So yes. gra- so,
0: so, gra- so grandparents can sometimes, like, send odd blessings back home. But there you go.
1: Um, oh, oh let's... for sure. Yeah, no, the cookie rules are broken. Everything is broken with what <laughs> oh, my mom says she definitely. Home, so, oh, no, yeah. no.
0: Yeah, yeah. We made for cookies sure. yesterday. She had cookies. She took cookies home with her. Oh, yeah, all of that. It's so great. I love that. Okay, let's—you uh, and I both read this really powerful article um, posted at the Gospel Coalition, and it's called When a Lesbian Atheist at Yale Came to Christ. Tell us a little bit about this story.
1: Yeah, I, I just—first of all, this book, I, I, I've had students ask me, and I just had one the other day at the end of classes or at the end of semester, just saying, so what resources do you, would you recommend to continue— uh, talking about sexuality and having these conversations. And there's maybe a few out there. This might be the best one that I've seen. And, and it, is the, it chronicles the story of a young woman who, for very understandable reasons these days, uh, fell into a lesbian relationship in high school. But just through a series uh, of disturbing events in her life, she became a born-again Christian. And, and the story is about being sort of born-again again, right, and into a new way of life. But the way that she talks about her experience of same-sex attraction and, and what she decided to do with it Instead of celebrating it, I think the thing that, that stuck out to me most, Carmen, because people are truly experiencing same-sex attractions. This, they're not making these things up. Now, to, to, make, to make a label out of them or to, or to make an identity statement out of, a, out of an existing attraction is where we go down a road that we just simply don't want to go with that. But what she did is she said, you know what, I don't understand fully what's going on in my life but I am going to trust Jesus and be obedient to what I believe uh, is his way of life and his kingdom." And that place of trust, Carmen, and the lack of understanding was, was a first move towards finding uh, an entirely different kind of wholeness available in this life that really only comes through that place of trust. And, and boy, oh boy, that was so compelling to me that someone was able to to understand that the kinds of relationships to which God is calling us, maybe not understanding the why. So, Let me just so back up just one more quick thing on this, and I love on this too. Is is she said? um, I think it's really common to say, "Well, I understand maybe something is true in the kingdom, but unless I understand why that's true, I'm not going to yield myself to God." And and that why can become an idol where we just say we have to understand the why before we're willing to yield. And she understood the what she was called to, maybe not fully understanding the why. Like why wouldn't same gender marriage be celebrated in God's kingdom? Why shouldn't we celebrate? People having companions in this way. Why, 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 why? She just chose to trust. And Carmen, it is powerful what began to be unleashed in her life as a result of that move of trust in the absence of understanding the why. I I absolutely loved it.
0: She talks about um, all of these things that are unexpected. And we're so, uh, so just so that you guys know what we're doing, Peter and I are actually talking about an article that is posted at thegospelcoalition.org when a lesbian atheist at Yale came to Christ. And it's by Beckett Cook, who has his own story of um, coming, uh, coming out of the homosexual uh, attraction and being born again. So um, Rachel Gilson's book is Born Again This Way. Um Beckett Cook's book is Change of Affection, A Gay Man's Incredible Story of Redemption. Um, and so I, I wanted to lift this up because I think that these are the kinds of testimonies that are particularly helpful for us to to know about, to read, to familiarize ourselves with, because these are the answers to the questions that young people are asking today. Like I yeah. don't have this kind of testimony, but this testimony does exist. God does change people's hearts. He does move them. Um, he is redemptive. There is hope, and and I think that we need to be lifting up and celebrating, um, celebrating these testimonies.
1: No, absolutely, because in those testimonies, we begin to find hope and, and sort of mm-hmm. uh, unlock the the uh, us from the paralysis we, again, feel, because so much of this is new to people like in yours and my generation. This wasn't our stories of redemption. It is absolutely the stories of the next generation. And I think another piece of the puzzle that, as she was finding hope, that I found really compelling, and we've been talking about a bit in my class, is that th- there's so many different versions of love in the scriptures. Among them would be a filio or a friendship love, and and we get so confused because we're so overly sexualized in our culture that any positive feeling we experience towards anyone, whatever that positive feeling is, we immediately attach it to be some sort of sexual positive feeling. And then we start asking a whole lot of questions about ourselves. And she was talking about and and then and, and the author of the article was talking about this idea of even rediscovering friendship, love, just the idea of being friends with somebody that that doesn't have to have any romantic overtures of any kind at all. These are the things we begin to discover when we mine these out. And boy, oh boy, Carmen, couldn't we use a whole lot of more filial love in our friendships and relationships that are extracted from just interpreting everything as romantic love? When it's just like, hey, I really like uh, hanging out with you. This doesn't have to mean anything more than that. And what what a gift that would be to reestablish that kind of love in our culture.
0: Absolutely. All right, Peter Capster and I got to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, Peter, you want to talk about friends since we're on that topic, or you want to pivot and have a conversation about forgiveness?
1: I will follow your lead, Carmen. Mm-hmm. I will absolutely follow right. your lead. I'm we're no either
0: going to talk about friends or we're going to talk about forgiveness when we come back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> Continue my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner, and we're going to talk about forgiveness, tracing the disappearance it. of the thing we need most. Um, what is forgiveness and where has it gone?
1: Yeah, you sent me a really interesting article. It was, it was an extensive article, but I think an incredibly important one about the lost art of forgiveness, especially as we've moved towards uh, increasingly trying to maximize our sense of happiness in our culture. Life becomes sort of all about us, and we, we make this inward turn. And when we're trying to maximize happiness, and every, it, it, to the extent that we're all trying to do that, Carmen, then we begin to use the world around us in whatever way we can to maximize happiness. I'll use this relationship to sort of get what I want. I'll use this job to get what I want, and and in that place, we're always in these power relationships of trying to win power over other people. And in that way, forgiveness doesn't really fit. Because if somebody if somebody wounds you or stops you from maximizing your perceived sense of, of what will make you happy, you don't forgive them. You try to shove them out of the way. And this article does an incredible job of trying to reestablish the communal need for forgiveness. You just simply can't have a community uh, if, if you're not willing to forgive one another and continue to walk out life together. And they use this really powerful example, and I had forgotten uh, of this happening, but it, it was in 2006 when that horrific event happened in this one room Amish schoolhouse in Pennsylvania in, in which this man burst in and, and horrifically shot a bunch of young children. And it was just this terrible event that, that we saw. And But what the Amish did and, and the strength of character that they showed in these moments is they, uh, the author of the article was saying that they had practiced basically for a lifetime, the kind of communal practices as being self-sacrificing, instead of being self-absorbed. And Jesus was nothing else other than self-sacrifice. In the very heart of why heaven rent itself open, kind of tore its veil, and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the very heart of that was the self-sacrificing nature of the Godhead that culminated in this um, sort of otherworldly moment on the cross when Jesus, the 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 perfect victim, <laughs> just in, in com- completely unjust every way possible. He now has thorns on his head. He has spikes in his hands. He has a spear in his side. And if anybody should have been shouting out that this is completely unjust and uh, and something needs to change, what did he say? I, I, didn't, I don't even know how he went to this place, Carmen, but he said, Father, forgive them. They don't mm-hmm. know what they do. And the Amish, being followers then of Jesus, it says that they have pra- practiced a life of being self-sacrifice, uh, self-sacrificing in their relationships. So when this happened, and this event happened in Pennsylvania, um, they moved in this sort of otherworldly forgiveness. And in that, and, and boy, theologians write often about the idea that forgiveness has the power and the possibility to disarm the oppressors. That if if we want to move towards an increasingly just and fair society, Uh, Both oppressors and the oppressed need to walk in the art of forgiveness as we follow Jesus in that way. If we don't, we're going to forever be at war with each other about who has what power, and there is no end to that. And people like Martin Luther King Jr. understood that. Uh, People outside of the Christian faith, philosophers, people like Gandhi have understood the power of forgiveness that was emulated with Jesus on the cross and what he did and what that can do to restore sort of a, a free and open and sympathetic humanity with one another. So we've lost it, right? I mean, if you stand in my way, I'm taught to run over you at this point in time. And certainly if you act unjustly towards me in any way, shape or form, I am taught that um, I you shouldn't be tolerated at all. I cancel you out. Uh, forgiveness is something that we don't really have a lot of anymore.
0: I think there's um, fear. Uh, fear has replaced forgiveness in many, many places and spaces. Um, and then I also think that... It, the The underlying worldview conversation is whether or not I see that other person um, as a fellow image bearer of the living God. Yeah. Right. Um, Because if I see you as you know, frankly, an an accident of chemistry and time, then then why wouldn't I run over you? Right. Like what? So forgiveness grows out of. Um, a world view, and it grows out of an experience of having been forgiven, like he who has been forgiven much forgives much, and short of that we don't i mean i can't i can 't be a person who extends grace and mercy if I am a person who has not received grace and mercy like yeah. i don't because there 's nowhere from from which to draw it
1: you're so right, Carmen I mean amazing grace, how sweet the sound right i I was not a readily and easily forgiver for much of my life until uh, it was sort of broken in some moments by a pastor who was giving a sermon and, and his sermon was t- was basically kept asking the question over and over again, "When is the last time you've tasted your depravity? <laughs> I thought well, that's not going to win a lot of people over that version of a sermon right and yet he kept he was doing it in such this graceful and methodical way, and by the end of the sermon he sort of invited us to just kind of Spend a little time in prayer as a as a community of faith and just ask God to gently, as God does, because God is actually for us and desires our freedom. And that's why he would move into our depravity in, in the ways that he does. And he just said, just ask God to reveal some of your depravity. And I'll tell you what, Carmen, it was almost like uh, for just a minute in that moment, the spirit kind of just ripped out my heart and let me see just sort of the hidden self-absorbed ways of my life that I didn't even know were impacting other people. And I just sat in those bleachers and just wept over over my own depravity. And then when i lifted my eyes back up again and the pastor was still there he had a picture of jesus carrying his sheep on his shoulders and he was like but this is your shepherd and your shepherd is for you and and in those moments i tasted amazing grace how sweet the sound that in this moment is saving a wretch like me uh from all of this and in that brokenness it's that place as you just rightly described that then we turn and begin to easily naturally and supernaturally extend forgiveness to other people because we are that wretch as well. And and that begins the fabric of a beautiful community walking out a way of life together.
0: Um, here is a listener, uh, Mike, who I think knits, uh, knits the subject matter of today's conversation together, forgiving friends, friends who forgive, and forgiving enemies, enemies who forgive. Those are good um, good conversation topics for us to have today. Thanks, Mike, really for that. Are. Um, for that encouragement. All right. That's Dr. Peter Kapsner. He is off to teach class today. Um, blessings I am actually, on... Carmen,
1: I am oh. done teaching class. Oh, you're you, done. you and Paul are taking me for my sandal wearing iced tea sipping, you know, summer <laughs> at this point. I'm going to go grab some croutons <laughs> and enjoy the day. Fruit There's cocktail. No okay. If you Absolutely. take the fruit
0: cocktail and you take the croutons, you get apple pie and it's also apple pie day, but it's also frog <laughs> jumping day. So get a little game of leapfrog going with all those kids.
1: I have enough time today. I'll spend all day trying to wind all those topics together. I can't wait.
0: I love it. I love it. We look forward to the report. That's Dr. Peter Kapsner not teaching class today. Thanks, man. Love
1: it. See ya.
0: We'll be right back. A week ago, we participated in the National Day of Prayer. We thought it'd be fun to have Kathy Branzell, the head of the National Day of Prayer Task Force, back today to tell us, share with us some glory stories so that's up next here on mornings with carmen
2: this is max locato encouragement occurs when we come alongside and call out jesus modeled this peter was prone to speak too soon and boast too much yet jesus saw something in the heart of this crusty fisherman worth calling forth jesus asked his followers who do you say that i am i hear silence Finally, Peter spoke up, and he looked at the penniless rabbi from Galilee, and he said, Well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus all but jumped for joy at the confession. He even changed the apostle's name. Simon would now be called Peter, a name that is next of kin to Petrus, or Rocky. Simon, the man who expressed rock-solid faith, needed a rock-solid name. Jesus did to Peter what encouragers do. He summoned the best, he built Peter up. Do the same for someone else. This is Max Lacato, and this is How Happiness Happens. All the changing, when the church
0: starts praying, pray. Joining me now, Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. And frankly, just one of my precious friends. Kathy, welcome back to Mornings with
3: Carmen. Good morning. Good morning, friend. How are you? I,
0: I am well. It is well with my yeah. soul. Amen. God is good. It's Ascension Day. It's also, yes. we have just learned, National Crouton Day. I don't know. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. crazy. Okay, so talk with us. Uh, we want to hear some glory stories. I know you have some to okay. share from last week's National Day of Prayer.
3: Oh, my goodness. So many. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't get tired of hearing us say thank you, mm. because I think that, that that's just been repetitive coming out of my mouth. So excited um, and so grateful about how this nation comes together. We're getting stories about in cities where over the last year or so, there's been a lot of division and uh Uh, churches splitting and church members leaving and going to other churches, and then how on the National Day of Prayer, all those pastors, all those people were together praying for one another. Mm -hmm. And then I I think I talked to you about the apology to the Native people. That was Mm -hmm. the big thing that God was calling us to do this year. And it was incredibly precious to get to be a part of that. And you could almost see, you know, we know that if history belongs to the intercessor and God's got this blessing, God's got this forgiveness, God's got this healing in his hand, and then we as intercessors ask for it. And just as we said to the native people last week, the First Nations people, we are sorry. Will you please forgive us? And across this nation, beginning in D.C., early in the morning in the Congressional Cemetery, but then sweeping across the nation in so many states where uh, First Nation tribal leaders were present to receive the apology and to release their forgiveness. First, we ask God for forgiveness, and then we ask man because we've sinned against them. You could almost feel God's hand opening up and releasing that forgiveness and that healing of the land um you know it was almost the after hundreds of years like this i thought you'd never ask you know a moment but here it is and so we're getting all these stories fun fun minnesota story so uh, i think i told you we had these this prayer force these praying pilots who take up praying passengers across all the states to give us air coverage, prayer from the air? And okay, ride- I
0: don't think I don't think we talked about that. If we oh, talked about start. that, I yes. I have completely forgotten. And I this is so cool. So I we it's need. So could you go back and tell us that again? There's a yes. prayer force where yes. pilots yes. take people on airplanes yes. to
3: fly over the nation and pray. That is so yes. cool it is so, so it, we had prayer on land sea and air i mean it, it warriors come together we were the joint you know the joint forces it was so great and we're so grateful they've been doing this for um for decades so they fly and they cover our capitals they cover uh, different cities there'll be multiple pilots sometimes in in one state uh one particular state uh took a flight every hour for 12 hours so there was 12 hours of prayer coverage from the air in that state but in in Minneapolis it was fun uh a young lady named Maddie uh who is who is uh very young so we'll just say um under i think she's somewhere 20 maybe younger she raised enough money uh, through friends and church members and family to rent a plane and get the fuel for her prayer flight. Um, she got her pilot's license very young, and she took people up, including a 12-year-old prayer warrior, to pray over Minneapolis-St. Paul area on the National Day of Prayer. And that it, the the generation, this now generation, came together. Um, If I pray that you guys watched our broadcast, if you haven't, Mm -hmm. you can go to nationaldayofprayer.org and rewatch or watch the broadcast. We hope that we modeled what a prayer meeting could look like in your church uh, every week or every month. And um, we're just so grateful people were We're getting these stories. I know I'm going on and on, but my heart is overflowing with gratefulness. We're getting stories where we explained in the apology to the First Nations people that what we just modeled is confession of sin, repentance, and asking for forgiveness, and that it's never too late to go and do that. And so many of us, if not all of us, have said something or done something that we regret terribly over the last days, weeks, months, years. And and it really is as simple as humbling ourselves and going and saying, Lord, I treated that person less than the love that you've shown me. You say love one another as you've loved me. and And I ask for your forgiveness for not treating them in love. And Jesus releases that forgiveness, but that's not enough. Then we need to go to that person and say, I am so sorry. You are more important to me than my preferences, my opinions, my political stance. You are more important to me than whatever it is. Will you please forgive me? And we're hearing of all these relationships that are being restored, of families that are coming back together, of people who haven't spoken in months, in years, and people picked up the phone, people got in their cars immediately and went to somebody that they've been missing, that they hurt, and even some that hurt them. But just to say, can we just put that behind us and love one another again, and I'm just praising God constantly for that.
0: Uh, people don't think you're going on and on. People are so excited. Uh, here's a list of Jacqueline who says, It's so great to hear about the prayer force, especially the flight over Minneapolis. Jane says, Wow, that needs to be on the local news. This is amazing. Um, where can we watch this? You can watch this. Uh, you can watch the service at nationaldayofprayer.org. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, great opportunity to uh, to do so. If you have, maybe you want to share it with your church leadership and say, "Hey, this is a model of what it looks like to um, to to be praying and to be a praying people and to gather together in prayer." We're going to take a very brief break. When Kathy and I come back, I'm going to ask her to talk about. Um, uh, Matt Lockett and Will Ford's testimony. I had the privilege of talking with them a couple of years ago um, on air, and their testimony is amazing. Uh, They shared uh, at the National Day of Prayer, and we're going to talk about the power of staying at the table of fellowship together. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Kathy Branzell, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about the power of prayer, um, and and if you have like lost hope that, that peace is possible, that reconciliation is possible, um, maybe there's an area of conflict or. Uh, in your own life or in your community or in the life of our nation or around the world, where you just look at that and you throw up your hands and you say, Yeah, peace there is not possible. Um, I think the testimony of Matt Lockett and Will Ford is a powerful one to bring to bear. You can find them at Dreamstream CO. So that's for Dreamstream Company, DreamstreamCO.com. The book is The Dream King. Um, Kathy, tell us uh, tell us about your experience of uh, of their testimony.
3: Yeah, so I've known Matt Lockett for uh, whew, fifteen years, I guess, and so um, was just astounded when he started telling us this story a long time ago. You know about uh, you know having the dream and and uh, being sent by God, basically, to the Lincoln Memorial on MLK Day um, to pray and how he met this uh, incredible man, Will Ford. And they became friends and they began doing life together. Will was also had a dream and sent to the Lincoln Memorial. They had never met each other um, until they were there at a Lou Engle event on MLK Day and they prayed together. And they started doing life together and their family became friends and they started doing ministry together and throughout the journey. And and I would just beg all the listeners to, um, you know, go and watch the many videos that are out there on YouTube and others. But um, when you hear their story and what ultimately Mm -hmm. happens and what they find out, um, everybody looks at you and goes, is that for real? Mm-hmm. Did did he just say that? Because mm-hmm. to be friends for a decade and then find out as Matt did, that his family owned Will's family as slaves. I I I, I can't imagine the pain in Matt's heart when he when that discovery was uncovered. And he says you know, brother, you could have walked away. Now remember, in the I Have a Dream speech from Martin Luther King Jr., he said, I have a dream that someday the former, uh, the sons of former slave owners and the sons of former slaves will sit down at the table of fellowship. And Matt and Will, unknowing that their their history their intertwined history had sat down at the table of fellowship and was running in the in the, at the table of brotherhood they were ministering together loving one another and it would have been so easy and maybe even justifiable in the world standard for will to get up and leave the table it would have might even have been understandable in worldly standards for Matt who have got up and left the table and said, I'm so ashamed. You know, Satan loves that game. Not just the offended, but the offender, you know, he'll get us with shame or he'll get us with anger. And those are two things that we go, no, Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has said, stay at the table. Jesus has said, eventually we're going to sit at the table of the supper of the lamb. And so they've stayed at the table and they've worked through some hard things and they've discovered some incredible things. And so in that time of prayer, having them in Washington DC with us at the National Observance, um, we actually went the night before National Day of Prayer and we prayed at the Lincoln Memorial at the spot where MLK gave that speech. And we started praying for relationship reconciliation across this nation and for people to stay at the table And in addition, with having Andrew Palau there with us, Mm -hmm. um, Luis Palau's son and his testimony of how Luis persevered in love, not in lecture, but in love to bring Andrew, a prodigal, back to the Lord, Um, we were just praying um, about—we asked the Spirit to search us, and I'll do this with our audience today. Just pray right now, Holy Spirit, search me and show me where I've left the table. Where you put someone in my life and I got frustrated, I got offended, I um, grew weary, whatever it is, and I left the table of fellowship that you set. Uh, you, You say in Psalm 23 that you set a table for me before my enemy. And Lord Jesus, I realize that when you set a table before my enemy and you've told me to love my enemies, I'm supposed to invite them to the table, not leave it. Not dine at it and look smugly over my shoulder at what you've blessed me with, but invite them to partake of it as well. And so Spirit prompt me now to go and find the person, the table that I left, and to rejoin it. And then, Lord, beyond that, someone who was never at the table, the prodigal, the lost, that you have sent me into this world with the purpose of knowing you and making you known. And so, Jesus, right now, I pray that you would prompt me, remind me of somebody that I grew weary of trying to nurture or draw disciple and i just threw up my hands and i quit pursuing them in your love forgive me jesus right now and give me another opportunity prepare their heart right now as i pray lord that when i go knock on their door when i call them that they will be prepared for me once again to step into their life with your love not a lecture and I pray that you would use me as your instrument to draw people to you with your love and gospel message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen, amen, and amen. Um, Kathy, we're grateful for you. Thank thank you so much um, for leading us in prayer just now, leading us to the table of fellowship, inviting us to consider um, that Christ was broken that we who are broken might be made whole. And there's such a testimony um, there for us if if we're willing to um, receive it and live into it. So thank you so very much. And thank you for this National Day of Prayer. And let us uh, all resolve to be people who are a praying people, not just on one day of the year, but every moment of every day, uh, praying without ceasing. Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find her at nationaldayofprayer.org. encourage you to watch um, the broadcast there uh, of this year's National Day of Prayer and go ahead and start counting down to next year's National Day of Prayer as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Let's be encouraging one another today um, in the things of the Lord. Let us uh, recognize that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us be a people of prayer and forgiveness. Let us be a people who come to the table of fellowship, acknowledging that Christ, who was whole, I mean whole and holy, was broken so that we who are broken might be made whole. If you have never experienced um, the transforming power of the love of God offered to us in Jesus Christ, then let me invite you to consider having today be the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. Those of us who are in Christ, we rejoice in it. We pray over those and for those um, who have not yet received God's grace available right now, right now, Um, Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. So, if you've never done that, let me invite you to consider having today be the day of salvation. Forgiveness is real, it's available, wholeness is possible, and it's offered to us. We have talked in this hour about the transforming power of God's love operating in the lives of so many people. We've talked about Rachel Gilson, we've talked about Jimmy Cook. Um, We have talked uh, with Kathy Branzell about the testimonies uh, offered on, uh, on the National Day of Prayer. You have a testimony as well. So let me encourage you to allow today to be the day that you have a faith story to tell, a story of God's transforming power in and through you by the power of the ascended Christ on this Ascension Day. Have a great day, and God bless.